All right. Here we go. Quiet. Roll up. Picture podcast where we take a look at the latest movie news, the films of today and yesterday, and put them all into some sort of context. Seated across the microphone from me is Film Buff Online editor in chief who really needs to change up this opening, Richard Dreams. <laughs> and seated across the microphone for me is Film Buff Online contributing editor and part time Dame Edna impersonator. Natasha Bogutsky. Really? I was going for Robin Williams on oh, okay. that one. This is Doubtfire. Hello. Okay. okay. See, I went a little bit more esoteric with my uh, um, with my uh, female impersonators, I, I guess. I tried. That's okay. okay. No, 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 no. I appreciate that. I mean, if you threw in a drive-by fruiting reference or something, I probably would have gone. Or getting hit by a Guinness truck. Yes. <laughs> oh, poor lad. Um... <laughs> Anyways, how are you today? It's a beautiful uh, Monday evening. Are you kidding me? I'm always looking on the bright side of life. <laughs> okay. And you're not even on the crucifix. I mean, it is Easter week, but still. It, it works. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm really was... proud of myself on that one. It was only because I just, I just watched Life of Brian last week. So uh, that's, okay. Yeah, okay. I revisited yeah, Life of Brian and blazing saddles Ooh. in like the same day. Nice. I know. Talk I was like, about I was a gonna say two minutes feature. into this podcast, we're already right down the heretical road here. Are you surprised? No, not okay. really. But, <laughs> <All right. laughs> but um, no, it was like it was a great comedy weekend, and I've always thought that Mel Brooks was kind of the uh, American equivalent of Monty Python in terms of like the. The idea of comedy movies at that time, not so much the sketch comedy, mm -hmm. um, but the just the idea of the lasting impression that it, it left on comedy films as a whole. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would go with you there then. Truth be told, we just watched an episode of Miss Maisel yes. here. So, <laughs> uh, so we're probably that's probably where our minds are right now. The idea of comedy and and the founders of comedy and stuff like that. <laughs> well, it, my mind will be on probably on comedy for the next hour until I get home and then it's it's back to Ray Star uh Ray Star Royco with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been um popping my cherry and uh, getting through Succession for the first time. Ah, okay. Okay, interesting. And yes, that is mm -hmm an appropriate phrase yes. when you're talking about succession when they're like just grab your baloney pipe and jizz wow <laughs> okay just making a note here we have to have the explicit tag on this one in itunes today <laughs> this week okay when isn't there an explicit mm -hmm. tag with our shit well yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 heretical it's vulgar it's profane and we don't give a flying fuck oh jeez <laughs> <sighs> So anyways, um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, it's been an interesting week uh, politically. We're not going to get into that. No, uh, it's, I... been a it's been a couple of interesting weeks uh, in terms of film news and stuff. Um, the Oscars talking about expanding the um, Best Picture screening requirements instead of screening in, I think it's what, five or six cities. They're going to expand it out to 15 to 20, possibly. Wow. Yeah, which would force Netflix to, if they want to participate and want to be they a player at the Oscars, wider. they'd have to start dropping their stuff into more theaters. 
which is interesting. And uh, it's going to be fun to see how that plays out if that the Academy actually goes through with that or not. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. I kind of skimmed it briefly when I, in between customers. Uh, but the first trailer for uh, Blue Beetle dropped today. Yes, it did. And <laughs> by the way, I love the main actor i can never pronounce his name correctly so in um in all fairness to from, the actor from... and anyone of the latino hispanic community listening i'm not even gonna try but he played miguel in cobra kai yes and he's brilliant on that show like mm-hmm. i was watching him going this kid's going places yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that now okay comic nerd time here um <laughs> surprise my that's that's my cue to step back and let him take the <laughs> mic for the next 10 minutes my favorite okay one of my favorite comic book heroes growing up was blue beetle however it was ted cord who was the blue beetle who was kind of a techno genius and he created this suit and a flying thing and you know he went out and fought bad guys and had a good time he kind of had a little bit of a similar vibe if you cross spider-man and tony stark really um and then years later dc comics were doing some uh changes rebooting a few things and they came up with a whole new blue beetle character with a cult named jaime ramus ramus excuse me and um that's who we're getting in the movie and i'm happy i'm that's that's great because even ted cord was the second person to be the blue beetle jaime's the third there's kind another of, guy dan garrett and kind of uh, like when you look at scott lang is like uh the second Ant Man, yeah. yeah. So, so I, you know, Ted Cord was my guy. He had his time in the sun. Uh, he he shows up on some of the animated stuff, and then um, they filtered Jaime Ramis, Ramis, ah, Jaime in more and more as uh, you know, after they created his character and premiered him in the comics. So I'm excited to see you know how they bring that to live action. The the trailer looked great. Um. L- Maybe the story feels a little bit standard superhero origin story stuff, but at least his family's involved, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, You've never seen any of Cobra Kai, have you? I've seen like one or two episodes. Oh my God, it's so good. I and I that. don't even like Karate Kid. I know that is <laughs> that is like the ultimate, what the fuck are you doing watching Cobra Kai then? Like, are you kidding me? There are hot badass chicks in there too who could kick the shit out of any guy. Of course, I'm watching Cobra Kai. <laughs> but no, it is a mm-hmm. great story. Um, the story that Johnny Lawrence has uh, with Miguel and his mother who live next door, as well as their connections with uh, Danny LaRusso and all that. It is a solid freaking story. And it's a good, like, feel good time. I I've never come out of watching an episode of Cobra Kai and I'm like I'm just so bored or just so burned out or it's just too dark or I'm depressed from it. In fact, I can binge an entire season of that and still come out of it feeling like yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well that's again part of the greatness of the era that we're living in in terms of People are taking beloved film properties and finding new and different stories to explore in them. Maybe not as films, but as TV. People are taking TV properties and finding new and different ways to explore them in film as well. I actually think Cobra Kai is 
better than the Karate Kid movies ever were. That's that's the funny part is that you know I I grew up on the Karate Kid films. The only one I actually did own, and again this is sacrilege, but I needed a few of badass female role models as a kid. I had the next Karate Kid. That was the only one okay, that I Hillary owned. Swank. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And Michael Ironside too. Oh, who's, he's so good. In he's everything. Oh, yeah. He's always when he just shows just up. You're evil. like, oh, shit's about to go down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've known that since I was a kid. When he when he would show up in like V. Uh, yeah. yeah. As a kid, I'm anytime like, I oh. see him, and then I'm like, Robocop, oh, fuck. and then it was like, yeah, that's that was the one two punch that made me a Michael Ironside fan for life. <laughs> <laughs> but no, watching that, um, I don't know. I just just. I think the story's a lot tighter. Um, seeing how it affects generationally instead of just, oh, this is just something that happens to these kids as they get sucked into this world of karate. Mm-hmm. Here we can see that everyone's kind of following the path that someone else had already kind of set up. And so are, are you? it's kind of like, okay, are you setting these kids up to fail? For the crimes that they never committed, but now all of a sudden they're the bearers of it. Yeah, I, I think from what I understand, the you know it definitely talks about generational trauma and mm-hmm. passing that on or trying to oh yeah break definitely. free of those cycles because you know uh, the main bad guy from the Karate Kid movies was an a hole Crusoe. Yeah, but but that's oh, yeah. because and then Silva shows up and Silva's thousand times worse than yeah. Cruz. Yeah, that's because he was basically abused as a kid into thinking he had to be this kind of antagonistic mm-hmm. human being. And now he's trying to break free of that, which I think that's a great idea. It's I'm because I know I have sat around with friends in bars and we're talking about like movies from the 80s, like Better Off Dead or Karate <laughs> Kid or anything like that. Or um, you know, weird science. And you go, hey, I wonder what ever happened to like the bully from that movie. He probably wound up getting shot and. You know, shot in a bad drug deal or something, didn't he? And <laughs> well, you, you know who the bully in um, Weird Science is, right? No, I've never seen Weird Science. Oh, you know this? It's a very young Robert Downey Jr. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but um, anyway, getting getting back to so, Blue so, Beetle. Um, oh yeah, Car- <laughs> <laughs> Cobra Kai is getting ready to uh, finish uh, its final season. Mm-hmm. They're going to be dropping that on Netflix probably by the end of the year. Um, so we're going to start seeing some of the younger kids, like Peyton List has already been doing some films outside of Cobra Kai. Oh God, I can't remember the Johnny's Lawrence's son, uh, was just in the gender bent spinoff film for She's All That. I think it was like, He's All That or something like that for Disney Mm -hmm. and now it's it's glad to, I'm glad to see that uh, Miguel's getting some time in the spotlight as the new Blue Beetle. Yes, yes, <laughs> very excited. We also had a trailer drop for Secret Invasion. I the, missed that. The, oh, when did that drop? Uh, that also dropped today, uh, uh, or late last night, or something. Um, Disney Plus series for uh, the MCU. I'm uh, actually excited. For that one. Scrolls infiltrating uh, America and Earth. And Nick Fury is fighting a secret war against them. It's... You want to talk about uh, paranoid and uh, group mentality mm-hmm. and all that and fear of it, that's that's a that's a pretty hefty story. Yeah, it 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 looks like it's very light on superhero stuff and heavy on um, 
the spy and espionage and paranoid thriller part of it, which looks oh, good. Thank God. And and they have one, at least one or two good moments of uh, Olivia Coleman in the trailer too. So I know well, you're that... gonna want to. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. She doesn't give bad moments, does she? No, I, I, she's the only <laughs> reason why I want to watch the new FX Great Expectations. I know. I, yeah, uh, Miss I, Havisham, come on. That is a great role for her. It I have is. not heard great things about Great Expectations, unfortunately. Uh, so maybe, maybe go into it with lowered expectations. It, it's, it's me being sentimental, as that was the only book that was ever read to me as a kid. Wow, was Great Expectations. Okay. I was six years old. Uh, so. Wonder I'm fucked up. I probably modeled my entire childhood into adolescence off of Estella. <laughs> you were gonna. I have just had a huge long... epiphany. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> you just yeah, watched my see, face. Doing this podcast is much cheaper than therapy. <gasps> <laughs> but uh, you're gonna have a long talk with your mom soon, aren't you? <laughs> no. Do you think she fucking listened to it? No, you're right. No, no. Uh, but the best part about therapy is I get to inflict my therapy, you know, that idea on someone else, and I get to watch their face as they're like, "I'm being inflicted with the virus." Yeah, that's me. <laughs> uh, in this case, um, oh, you're so screwed, dude. Yeah. Um, a couple of other movies came out recently. Um, well, by uh, by the time you hear this, which should be like either Tuesday or Wednesday morning of this week, um. Air will be just about ready to open. It opens up Wednesday. And um, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, it's a great movie. Wonderful uh, work together. If you ever thought... When don't they do good stuff together? Even in The Last Duel, I mean... They they didn't have a lot of scenes together, but man, Ben Affleck was chomping at the bit and chewing up the scenery. <laughs> and, and, mm-hmm. and Matt Damon was just gruff and pathetic. Yeah, but it's a... It's a... <laughs> Wow. But it's a solid movie. It's a great story. If you ever thought, gee, the story of how they signed a business deal, how could that be interesting? Well, guess what? (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's really good. As is another story about how they signed a business deal. Tetris over on Apple Plus, which dropped this past week. Um, Really enjoyed that. I don't care about Tetris as a game. I don't video game all that much. I've played Tetris. I find it fun. I understand. I like Tetris. I think it's I, fun. I understand how it, insanely addictive it is. Oh, Insidiously yeah. addictive. Addictive. Well, well, I will say anyone who's ever had to move knows how to <laughs> has, anyone who is really good at moving um and packing. Mhm. Learn their skills from Tetris. <laughs> we could have used that video game when my dad was packing up the station wagon for family <laughs> vacations as a kid. Let me tell you. Well, you I've told you about the times that uh, Rachel and I went down to Virginia and the amount of shit that we got into my that, my little VW you, bug, mm-hmm. including her dog on a dog bed. I don't know how you guys managed that. Acoustic guitar and <laughs> food and. I, I don't even fucking know. I don't know either. Um, <laughs> but it was but, impressive. But uh, the Tetris story involves how, because okay, the game was invented by um, a Russian computer programmer who kind of invented it for fun. And the game just kind of like circulated out through Russia um, by, you know, people passing along di- floppy disks with the game on it. And ultimately it came time to license that game. And this is still during the Soviet Union era in mm-hmm. Russia. So 
they the guy who wants to uh, license it runs up against you know the Soviet bureaucracy and the, with and the Soviet Union's like right on the edge of uh, falling apart. So mm-hmm. some of these bureaucrats are trying to you know get as much money for themselves as they can. And there's another um, game publisher from England headed by Robert Maxwell, who is a real life piece of shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look him up on Wikipedia. You'll find out what a big giant piece of garbage he was. And oh, gee, too bad. Spoiler alert. He dies by falling off his boat while um, taking a leak off the side of it one night <laughs> and drowns and no one cared. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, no, he's he's terrible. He's just a rotten human being. He was stealing millions out of the uh, pension fund of his company and, you know, screwing people over left, right, and center. He was a bully. The world's better off without him. And, um, you know, so he's the other, like, the other player here trying to get the rights. It's a fantastic story, and it kind of gets a little bit espionage-ish at, at moments to the point where you're like, Really? <laughs> Over a video game, but then you, when you realize that ultimately Tetris is like the one of the foundational video games for console and for handheld. Yeah. That, you know, it's like, oh, wow, yeah, this went on to have such an impact. And I its played story it. is amazing. I haven't played it in a while, and my phone is in my hand right now, and all I'm thinking mm-hmm. about is... I really miss fucking playing Tetris. <laughs> I'm about ready to download it on the goddamn. Don't you dare! Phone. We got to talk about another game first. Oh, nice! <laughs> Isn't that a great nice segue? Segue, yes. yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, and that means yes, we're just going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves, which opened this past weekend. We both saw it, but yeah, let's start off with. Um, You've played Dungeons and Dragons with yes. uh, your husband and the stepkids. Spent most of the pandemic playing, actually. Yes. Was that your first time ever playing? Um, I had had experiences with it where I have watched others play it. Um, so, like, I would be invited over in high school to um, my friend's house, and she would set it up. I loved the idea of it, but it was just very complicated and no one was willing to teach me Mm -hmm. it was one of those either you know or you don't know or just sit off to the side and keep your mouth shut kind of thing (laughs) which i thought was a little fucking rude but well yeah watching them i kind of got the hang of it Mm -hmm. and uh did some research and then during the pandemic had a lot of time on our hands so i started playing with my husband and uh, my stepsons. By the way, I'm a rogue assassin. Of course you are. <laughs> and I wield daggers. Of course mm-hmm. I do. Like, I, I forget what my goddamn level is because it's probably been a good year and a half to two years since I played. <laughs> Don't ask me my level. That's okay. <laughs> um, well, And also, we're big Stranger Things fans. So, And Stranger Things is pretty much a version of D&D and then you mix in a lot of 80s movies mm-hmm. and it, it creates a life of its own. But um, no, the, just for that alone made me interested. Yeah. So it, it, it well, takes on a life of its own. Okay. Well, I started watch, uh, started playing the game back in um, 1980 when I got my first, uh, the original basic D&D set, mm-hmm. which came with like one rule book, a beginner module, 
uh, keep on the Borderlands, if I remember correctly, and um, and some dice. <laughs> and, um, you know, my friends, I was in junior high, I was in sixth grade, uh, some other friends had started playing the game, so, you know, I begged my mom for the mm-hmm. set, and um, this is right about a year before or so before the whole satanic panic thing kind of blew up big which is actually in stranger things season four yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um and you know irish catholic mom i was (laughs) i was really just deadly afraid that you know we were going to go to church one day the game was going to get denounced from the altar and all my stuff would disappear amazingly while father mahoney (laughs) what Yes, an Irish priest, too. Um, while Father Mahoney was um, denouncing the game along with Iron Maiden albums or whatever else he was going on about in that homily that one time, um, Mom and Dad were cool with it. They were just fine with me still playing the game. Because they realized it's just a damn game. Yeah, they, they trusted me enough to understand that I was using my imagination and I knew things weren't real, um, which which was a great um a great compliment i felt from my parents it made me feel better about myself uh just in that and that i had that kind of trust that they knew i wasn't some kind of dummy <laughs> or that or that they Wait, would at least listen you aren't? thank you <laughs> or that they would at least you know listen to me and, myself. and value my opinion i know Aww. i know thank you dear you're welcome okay um so you know i played it up through college really and then kind of getting people together on a weekly or bi-weekly it gets schedule. gets harder as they get older. Yeah, it was kind of harder. We had gone through, you know, I was playing the first edition Advanced Rules, had my Player's Handbook, Monster Manual, Fiend Folio, Deities and Demigods, and um, Dungeon so Master fucked, Hand, uh, Dungeon Master's Guide. I wish I had kept all of that stuff. I did It'd not. It'd be worth a fortune now. Yeah. Uh, um, but um, no, with with me playing D anD D, yeah, it does get harder, and as uh, as you get older, it takes probably a half an hour to create character sheets, and mm-hmm. sometimes people get really into it, and they're like, "Well, I'm not even starting before I even draw out what my character is supposed to look like." Yeah, and, and that's like, that's when you're, okay, guys, come on. <laughs> um, yeah, at which point I'm like, "Are we going to?" play before a good, before I have to go home. A good DM um, <laughs> will actually kind of have some of that shit set up. Anyways, but um, but getting to the idea of gameplay, how did this movie feel to you? Did it feel like you were playing a game of Dungeons & Dragons or a, how a game of Dungeons & Dragons would play for um, you? A, a little. There are definitely some inside jokes like uh, the... <laughs> The moment where they're like, okay, we have a token. We can bring a guy back from the dead. We can only ask him five questions, at which point he'll go back to being dead. And I think uh, Doric, Sophia Lillis's character goes, well, that's a little arbitrary. Like, mm-hmm. you're like, why five? Like, yes. like that's something we've asked ourselves a million times. Like, <laughs> but, why three? But also, why how five? That, but also how that scene plays out with somebody accidentally asking a question and then you the, have to the enchanted over. corpse answers that question and that's something i've had evil mean <laughs> nasty sly DMs. dms do to me and i'm sure everybody who's ever played that game has had something similar yeah and again yeah. And which again. is fun it's fun and it you know it's fun and i just felt like the interplay between the the cat the characters yeah oh but if, if they had pulled back and we saw just them sitting around a table with rolling dice and everything playing the game 
the the same interplay would be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. It's just them, you know, kind of joshing each other, cracking jokes, trying to do things, getting frustrated when apparently they rolled a one and they couldn't do a thing. I was just about to say that. Why'd you oh, have to take that out of my mouth? Sorry. Okay. So yeah, no. Um, another moment where I felt like that was prevalent was when they were trying to cross the bridge in the underworld, or under uh, yeah. I think it was yeah. called the Underworld. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, there's a specific way to get across this bridge. It's odd numbers only until the middle section, and then it goes to even numbers only. But every fifth step, I'm like, I was like, yeah, that feels like it's part of the fucking game. <laughs> and then Simon steps on something and triggers the mechanism, and the whole damn bridge collapses. At which one I went, he rolled a D1. Yes. <laughs> he failed that saving throw. He did not roll his intelligence or his dexterity. No. <laughs> and I lost it laughing. Yeah, that's, and I'm I, like, oh, this feels this feels right. <laughs> yeah, and it it feels very much like gameplay, but at the same time, it feels natural, natural just story. for the story. So if you never played this game, if you never sat down around around a table with some friends, all hyped hyped up on uh, Mountain Dew, and <laughs> <laughs> you 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 could still watch this movie and go, okay, this is a fun action comedy adventure game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adventure movie, excuse me. Oh god, yeah, it was a hell, a hell of a blast with it. Um, mm-hmm. it was fun. It was funny. Um, Michelle Rodriguez playing a badass. Must Shocker. be Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> honest, one of the biggest uh, shocks of the film for me was Sophina. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I had recently started watching Shadow and Bone on Netflix. I'm trying to catch up with some things that I've missed out on, like, Mm -hmm. for example, Succession. Um, (laughs) And uh, Shadow and Bone is one that I've started doing. And she's really good in that. And I'm like, oh, I need to pay closer attention to some of these people coming out of these shows because they're going to be huge over the next few years. Um, When I first saw the trailer... For it, I'm like, oh, that's the girl from Shadow and Bone. And then I did some research. She's a legacy. Yes, she is. She she's a nip, nepo baby. Speaking of, uh, must be Tuesday. <laughs> yes, Tuesday nights were Buffy night. Uh, exactly. She is the daughter <laughs> of Anthony Stewart Head, who played Giles. Harper Giles. Yes. Yeah. And she's wonderful in this. She's, oh, she's scary so good. as hell in this. Is what it's she her is. Eyes. I know. Um, <laughs> But she's really honestly. There's not a false note in this cast. No, and it's just everything is everybody's putting together a movie like this and making sure everybody's on that same kind of tonal wavelength mm-hmm. is hard. It has to be hard, and here it feels effortless, though. It, it really does. Mm-hmm. And then also trying to sneak in like the little the the monsters and and it's just like obviously like, like the owl bear and. Uh, Oh my god, I can't remember the name of the pudgy dragon. Uh, yeah, well, just it was a dragon, but it was a pudgy one. But yeah, no, it, he had it, a it name. had a specific name, and I cannot remember it either. Yeah, know. even though they but, they mention it, mm-hmm. and, and then seeing some of the other creatures throughout the film, like it, again, it feels effortless. It feels right for the story. These monsters are in the Colosseum, part of the games. They are an obstacle that you do have to defeat yeah. to get out of there. Gelatinous cube, a displacer beast. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, a mimic. Yeah, 
all sorts of things you know a dungeon master would throw at you (laughs) to Mm -hmm. to screw with your day um my only complaint is i think in the trailers and the um they released like a little bit of that portion of the one scene with the intellect of ours just kind of walking by them and then when they're in the underworld and then um they go they only attack if you're having like you know a really smart thought. Oh, the brain. Yeah. And then they go, Oh, that was disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I laughed at that because that means it's a great joke. It is a great joke, but that also means that those things passed by Reggie Jean page, who is the smartest among them at that time, who mm. knows what these fuckers are. And they didn't even attack him. He, was, well, he could cause his brain to go blank. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm sure there's <laughs> some kind of paladin thing involved. Um, but, I don't think there was any I don't <laughs> think outside of the the dragon the dragon itself being pudgy um I don't think there was any creature that was really a surprise I think they kind of gave away almost in terms of creatures from the game I think they kind of gave away all of those in the trailers and the promotional materials uh, th- which is honest, a little disappointing uh, the gelatinous cube wasn't in the trailer oh yes it was uh, it must have been when I, I didn't see them. I saw it and I jumped up I I leo memed on that I was like ah! <laughs> okay, then you are paying closer attention to it that's, than I that's was. Okay, uh, but honest, I don't care that there was no surprises from the creatures themselves mm-hmm. because I think the story itself has enough surprises within it, and um, in order to do justice to the game itself, uh, not just as a film, but to pay homage to all the generations of gamers who've played it there's enough inside jokes in the dialogue that more than make up (laughs) for the sights of having Mm -hmm. too many creatures i think there's just enough creatures Mm -hmm. to keep you entertained without overpowering yeah it's not space jam you're not gonna be in the background going oh what's that one what's that one that's doesn't matter and i think also too this movie benefits from the fact that as an intellectual property, it doesn't have a set canon of stories, mm-hmm. and therefore people aren't expected to really. Uh, well, they have to adapt this story. They have to adapt, the, you know, this Spider-Man story or that whatever. Dungeons and Dragons is so open world. Sure, there's novels, there's the Dragonlance stuff, and Forgotten Realms, and all that stuff. But there's so much of it that. But the beauty of that it doesn't matter. Yeah, but it the... kind of like. <clears throat> The beauty of Dungeons and Dragons is being able to create uh, a, a character to who you are, or kind of who you want to be, mm-hmm. and then the story just kind of evolves from there. Yeah. Okay. This is a weird analogy that just literally just popped into my head. I was very it's... impressed. There's not a lot of side quests. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons is like a cooking contest where they just give you some ingredients. And they tell you you have a certain time limit to make something. That feels like every cooking show ever put on television. Versus <laughs> versus going to culinary school and being given a recipe and being expected to replicate that recipe in a certain way. That's a movie adaption of The Hunger Games. Yeah. Okay. Bad well, example. Well, you know what I'm saying, though. Yeah. You know, there's a certain formula, certain story beats, et cetera, you're supposed to hit. If you're telling the Hunger Games story, if you're telling a Dungeons and Dragons story, you can do whatever the fuck any, you want. Anything. Yes. Yeah. The, you know, it's a wide, wide world, and you create all of it. 
you know, you and if you're like, oh, we need some kind of monster here, you just pull down a game book off the shelf and flip through it. Okay, I think this would be fun to have. Yeah, boom. And that's in your movie. Mm-hmm. That's what's fantastic about this movie. And I think it lived up to that potential. I I happen to agree. Mm-hmm. Um, now, have you seen the original D&D movie from the 90s? With Thor Birch and Jeremy Irons? Yeah, the one that almost killed Thor Birch's career. Uh, she didn't work a lot after that for a while. I know, I know. Um, bits and pieces. I think I still have nightmares. Yeah, don't. Uh, based don't, around don't, it on don't, occasion. Don't go f- for the rest of the glue to put those pieces well, together. Well, the sad part is, is when I think of Thora Birch in Dungeons & Dragons, I somehow end up connecting her with um, the character from The NeverEnding Story. Okay. They they are very the childlike empress. They are very similar. Okay. In look, I can see that. Yeah. So my brain has to go. Wait, nope. Separate them <laughs> <laughs> and connect it to this film. Connect it to this film. Um, I saw a lot of weird films that came out in the mm-hmm. early two thousands that well, had a D and D kind of style to it. Um, there was a an adaptation of Ivanhoe called Darkest Night mm. that was. Absolutely a flaming piece of shit with the worst special effects. <laughs> it was def I'm pretty certain it was mm-hmm. made for television. But again, it had that R2K uh Dungeons and Dragons feel to it. Um uh, Reign of Fire, which essentially n- No, Reign of Fire does would... even is not even the same realm as that I... shitty D and D. No, film. no, no. Reign I'm just Fire saying as a good. as a yeah, but I'm saying as a kind of D and D inspired film, it feels okay, like yes. yeah. Um I could see that. I would say go back to the eighties. And the Disney film uh, Dragon Slayer, which I was is actually just good, Dragon Slayer. which is really good. Oh my god, that's amazing! And I heard the 4K disc that they just released is like amazing. It I looks the best this movie ever. I watched that in forever, but the, I, but the amount of times where I I've been able to think of like okay the dragon scales and the girl chained to the the stake as a sacrifice to the dragon, I was like oh my god, and like. It, now I need to go watch that thing. Yeah, it's a fucking lot. <laughs> well, I, there's not a whole lot of like really g- good high fantasy films in terms of like Dragon, Sl- Dragon Slayer. Yes. This new Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yes. The Lord of the Rings. Yes. Um, I can't off the top of my head. Maybe I'll throw in Lady Hawk. Um, oh, my God. I haven't watched but, Lady Hawk in forever either. I, I can't that. think of anything else that really. Excalibur. Yeah, I guess. It I is, guess you it could, is you, kind yeah, of low I, budgeted. But no, I don't think it's low budget, but I think it's it's solid. It's a solid movie. It's not my favorite movie. I know people who love this movie a lot more than I do. Um, I know I'm kind of an outlier on it. It's it's fine, people. It's fine. <laughs> um, um, whereas other people just love it to pieces. Um, I mean, and legend for me. I legend, know it's not a yeah. great movie, but. Yeah, There's the eighties were a good time. I guess, I'm guessing for yeah. fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was it um, Sword and the Sorcerer from uh, director Albert Payun? Um, not great, but had some fun fun moments in it. Um, but it's something no one's really tried to really kind of crack in like the last twenty years. And you think it, we got a little bit more of it on television? I mean. When I think of fantasy on TV, apart from like Game of Thrones, which is, it's it's strong, mm-hmm. but it's it's also definitely not just all fantasy. Um, yeah. Honest, my brain goes to the BBC Merlin. 
TV show. Merlin. Is in- mm-hmm. incredible and still has that lighthearted whimsy with just slightly off special effects, particularly on the John Hurt dragon. But you know what? <laughs> it's so damn good storyline wise. Oh. You don't even give a fuck. Speaking of famous, um, famous Britishers voicing dragons, Dragonheart. Oh, my God. Voiced by Sean Connery. One of the great early CG characters, really. You know, that that was amazing how well that looked. That one in a while, either. Um, uh, I listened to the score more, though. But for television fantasy, eh, maybe throw in um, Hercules and Xena. I mean, and I think they're more, they vibe, you know, because they kind of had that Lucy, you know, not Lucy Lawless, but Lucy Goosey kind of uh, feel when that I, the, that the current Dungeons and Dragons movie has. When I think of like fantasy films, though, my brain definitely goes to the eighties, um, and it doesn't even have to be true fantasy. I mean, when I think of that kind of style, I think Ray Harryhausen. So mm-hmm. my brain does go to Clash of the Titans, Jason and the Argonauts, stuff like that, um, because. The the Ray Harryhausen Clash of the Titans, not that other piece of shit. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, the one thing I will defend, I don't care what people have to say, the Kraken. The style of the Kraken. Mm-hmm. The actual schematic for it. Um, The Ray Harryhausen one was just a big, giant gorilla with six arms. And, and gills. <laughs> he was not terrifying to me at all. He just looked goofy. As a kid, <laughs> when the new Clash of the Titans came out and they unveiled the first look at the Kraken in that trailer, I nearly pissed myself. <laughs> oh, yikes. I was 16 <laughs> and my brain was it nearly exploded. I was like, holy fuck, that is what I wanted to see when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> nice but no Ray Harryhausen yeah. is what I think when I think fantasy like and, that kind of off um, mm-hmm. like not terrible CGI but there's just something very either robotic or just too shiny about it or mm-hmm. not realistic enough and that's where I think Game of Thrones fails in terms of when we talk about fantasy and, and the same with like um, Reign of Fire they're too serious that they don't have that idea of whimsy behind it Mm -hmm. okay i was gonna say like outside of lord of the rings though to circle back to film in the last 20 25 years what have we had for kind of like high fantasy the narnia movies and that's it that i can think of off the top of my head and you know i'm looking past you towards my blu-ray shelves and i you know i'm not seeing anything that's jogging a memory either and yes i'm I mean, talking about good fantasy films, so, you know, we can set The Hobbit to the side a little bit because hey. I I like it, too. Um, there's a lot of things I like, it, I like, but I don't think they hold a candle to uh, Lord of the Rings. They're not supposed to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're not supposed to hold a candle to Lord of the Rings. Mm. They're just supposed to be something that if you're, you want more of that particular style, when you're done watching Lord of the Rings, you're like, okay, I can throw this on. And uh, and now I don't actually have to watch it. I can go wash the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, why is that? Why haven't? Why do we? Why haven't studios because, tried be- this? Because whimsy doesn't sell much anymore. Um, it, it in a post nine eleven world, yeah, yeah, I could see that. When you want to think about superhero films up until Marvel really started dishing it out. D- it, DC was the big hitter, and it was very serious. 
Um, well, well, for the Batman films, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, Superman, though, a decade earlier, you know, that was hope and- That was a decade joyous early. earlier. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, though. Okay. Uh, Superman, the motion picture came, the movie came out in 78 and then Superman 2 was 81. We're talking post 9-11. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking here though, from end of World War II, 45, 46, cinema was very, kind of took a a downward turn. Yeah. They got, they didn't want the happy, upbeat musicals anymore. They wanted something that was reflective of World War II. So we got the noir phase. Noir. Um, and then the indie movement of the 60s and into the early 70s still had a dark, pessimistic streak to it. Mm-hmm. Even uh, going up to the mid-70s in movies like um, Looking for Mr. Goodbar, for goodness sake. And we got so many and, movies about Vietnam during that era. Yeah, just as and Vietnam, Vietnam, kind of, Vietnam kind of reinforced that. You know, no one's going out on a first date to the deer hunter. Um, yeah. And... So I'm thinking, okay, that cycle was roughly 30 years and so of, then... of trauma, partially... You know, reinforced by Vietnam, and then in the eighties um, we had a, a you then, know yeah, fantasy kind of Star sci-fi. War, Star Wars basically kicked the door open for being happy again. So right now, um, we're you know we're still twenty two years from from nine eleven, twenty one twenty two years from nine eleven, which feels like we should start getting towards that yeah, again as as long as we don't have another you know reinforcement trauma like vietnam we should i would think we should be getting more well, open you, and happier in our in our films again it's not just um you know war that also reflects the the trauma oh yeah i um, mean the the national political climb right now is pretty horrific well okay first off you had you had 9-11. Then six or seven years later, recession. Then mm. a few years- I'm not even talking like economic factors because yeah, there were also but... booms and recessions through all of there too from World War II to 77. Uh, 77 was a hell of a recession. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, and you know, I'm old enough to remember gas lines where it was like you can get gas for your car if your license plate ends in an, in an odd number on odd number days and if you're- License plate ends with a um, even number, then you can get gas on even numbered days, and you really had to like make sure you knew what you were doing. Oh yeah, and gas stations were closed on Sundays, and along with just about everything else. But yeah, so you you had nine eleven, you had recession, you had um, uh, then you had all of the obviously the geopolitical stuff. You have the war in Iraq that went on for several years. Kind of a Korea allegory, if we're looking to parallel certain points. I mean, yeah. And then you had one of the biggest hitters, COVID. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So that could, could that be the, the reinforcing, reinforcing trauma possibly, of Vietnam? We haven't had a, I mean, a, a good, hopeful, happy time since probably 9-11. And, and, and Be, obviously well, right that's... before 9-11. <laughs> no, no, I would say... No, 9-11 itself wasn't a happy, hopeful time for crying well, out yeah, loud. Let me freaking finish my sentence. <laughs> yes, 9-11 wasn't happy, but I say since 9-11, because Lord of the Rings came out pretty much right afterwards. But it was pretty much shot uh, before 9-11. First film, literally the first film was released 
like three months later. But that doesn't affect and the populace. Trust me. I tr- well, true. That, true. The, the populace. I'm talking. Think- I'm talking about what's going on politically, socioeconomically in the world affecting film, not the other way around, though. So. I'm getting there. Okay. Okay. Go. 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 So 2003, end of 2003 is when we had pretty much the holdover from Lord of the Rings end. So whatever hope there was left, where did it all go? It's gone. Mm -hmm. So where else do you have to go except to get suckered back into the life of what's going on right now? We're post 9-11. We're coming up on the 2004 uh, elections. Bush went back in, beat Kerry. And the cycle just kept going. But there's nothing left to keep you upbeat and happy, so you create your own, you know, it's not. Yeah, it, yeah. the movies reflect that attitude. But George Lucas came along, and there wasn't anything that he he was drawing from on the national stage at that moment in 1975-76 as he's writing and creating Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, he just kind of said, you know what? I don't know if this was even consciously or not. He just wanted to do something that was upbeat in the face of everything else. I mean, his contemporaries are turning out movies like The Conversation and The Godfather and things like that. And he just said, no, here's here's something that's hopeful. He, you know, And it just kind of flew in the face of everything. Remember, 20th Century Fox's big movie for that summer was supposed to be Damnation Alley, which is a story about survival in a post-apocalyptic world. And they did not, they thought that was going to be the big hit. They didn't think Star Wars was going to be big. And I think Star Wars as a movie just changed everybody's attitude and mood. It also works because you can take your kids to it. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, people were, because there was a generational aspect to it, people were taking their kids. And as we go into the 80s, we get a lot more of these like breezier science fiction movies, people trying to tap into that same idea, you know, whether it's, you know, something that's not so great, like um, Battle Beyond the Stars, or you get something like Battlestar Galactica on TV. And all of that kind of, you know, had more of an uplift. Um, So. To put this all back to Dungeons and Dragons, which we left feels like we left behind a little while ago. I just don't think we're gonna see anything like that for a while. Um, that would be a shame. But if but if this movie were, I don't see this movie as being as big as Star Wars for God's sakes. No, no. Um, or you know as impactful. I don't know if any movie can ever have that kind of zeitgeist impact again. But. Well, you know how I feel about everything everywhere all at once. So. True. Oh, yeah. Well, we love that. But I, I still don't think that's, you know, as impactful as Star Wars as a movie on, on pop culture. We will see in the long term. Yeah, we will. Um, I, uh, but... When it comes to hope still existing and lightness, um, I dare say the only show that still has that feel to it uh, is definitely Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 definitely the one show where doesn't matter how bad your day is. If you want a little (laughs) lightness, if you want a little whimsy, if you want a reason to fight for the next day, that's the show you turn on. Yes, definitely. And I would like to see maybe more of that, more more films like 
Dungeons and Dragons going forward. I hope in for meantime, Bar- though, I have hope for Barbie. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. I I, I have no I idea what Barbie's going to be. It's not going to take itself seriously. No, I have a feeling it's going to be. I I have a feeling I don't know what it is. But <laughs> Neither I, do I. But I'm so excited to find out. Hi, I'm tour guide Barbie. I'm a married spud. I'm a married spud. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but on that note, though, I think that does just about wrap us up. Remember, you can find us online at bigpicturepod.com, and we are also available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So either use the link in the show notes post or head directly there and search and hit subscribe. And if you like what you're listening to, please leave us a review because that always helps us connect with new listeners. We'll be back next time with more news and a film review of something. Oh, we will? Yes, we will. Here on the Big Picture Podcast. Pop the magic dragon, lived by the sea, and frolicked in the autumn mist in a land called